if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed, and hour number two is now under eight, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thank you for being with us. We're almost caught, caught up on the clock that we just savaged in the last hour as we talked to uh, Congressman Anthony Gonzalez for about 40 uninterrupted minutes. Uh, so I appreciate you bearing with us through that. This is a Thursday, the 14th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2021. So we had Congressman Anthony Gonzalez. We had uh, Congressman Jim Renacci, who preceded him in that seat. And we're joined now by our regular Thursday guest, Dr. Everett Piper, who is a a former university president. He is a columnist for the Washington Times. He's a best-selling author, and he also does radio podcast version in his native Oklahoma, joining us now for his weekly visit on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Dr. Piper. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Our listeners always really enjoy listening to your voice and uh, and uh, basking in your wisdom. It is uh, It is always appreciated. And I want to start by finding out what wisdom you can shed or share on yesterday's second, the historic second impeachment of President Trump, one that was supported by 10 Republicans in the House of Representatives without an evidentiary hearing, which is constitutionally required to give the president and his team an opportunity to present witnesses to defend himself from having something like this done. I just talked to one of those 10, Anthony Gonzalez, here uh, in Ohio. What was your reaction to that yesterday, sir? Well, first, before we get into that, your comment about basking in my wisdom and your listeners wanting to hear me, could I get all those listeners to call my wife and tell her uh, how, the same thing? <laughs> in oh, fact, I'm tempted to give you my cell phone on the air so they can call my wife. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, I also, right. I also feel your pain. I have the same kind of problem. Uh, People love to listen to me on the radio, but nobody in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, impeachment. Um I don't, you know, no matter what I say right now, no matter, and this is the interesting thing. I don't care what I say. I don't know. I don't care how I answer your question. I'm going to make somebody angry. I'll get canceled by somebody. If I say that Trump was less than perfect in his communication style, in his strategic communication that led up to the rally and during the rally, I will be canceled and I will be called things that I cannot repeat on your program. And I know that for a fact because I, 
am critical of Trump's communication style. I have been for four years. I think he could do better. I think the uh, implied ad, ad hominems, if not the explicit ad hominems that Trump employs, are inappropriate. And I don't think they're presidential. And I've said that more than once. I've taken the position on Trump for four years, thank him when he's right and criticize him when he's wrong. That's what a true, thoughtful, honest conservative should do. He's been right on so much. I've gained more freedom rather than less. My church has been left alone by the government rather than being imposed upon by the government. I, as a Christian, have been freed up to live my life without threat and fear from government largesse shutting me down. That's all going to change. That's all going to change because I don't have the Trump administration protecting me any longer. So that said positive about Trump. I, again, I don't think he communicated optimally. I really don't. Now, I know you're going to get people to say, oh, he's a, he's a, he's a traitor. He's a blankety-blank uh, person. Cancel him. That's unfortunate, because if the conservatives have really come to the point where we can't have a reasonable discussion over this issue, we've met the enemy, and it is us. That's not who we are. That's not what conservatism is. We should be open to the debate, open to the discussion, open to the argument, trusting the truth of the situation to judge who's right and who's wrong and not rely on our emotions and not rely on all of the other stuff, the hyperbole and everything that's being employed right now. Now I'm going to answer your question and I'll shut up. I think the impeachment is unfortunate, and I think anybody, Democrat or Republican at this point that's pursuing it, is just throwing gasoline on the fire. Why? What is the point? Why? Whether you think Trump is the devil incarnate, whether you're an anti-orange man to the high heaven, what is the point? If you really believe in unifying the nation, which is going to be a high calling right now, a very difficult task, with 50% saying one thing and the other 50% on the exact opposite end of the continuum, on almost every issue, why in the world would you throw this gasoline into a house that's already burning and stand back and claim to care two hoots about this nation that you're actually going to burn down. This is not the right move. I don't care what party you're part of. It's not the right move. Um, okay, I'll be quiet. I don't know if I answered your question, okay. but I could rattle on. No, uh, no, no, you, you, you did. You know, you, you did. Um, here's the thing. I'll respond to both of the things that you said. Number one, I don't think you're going to have too many people in this audience get mad at you for saying he's not a great communicator. He's not. Uh, Barack Obama, by comparison, was a great speechmaker and a great communicator. People loved to listen to him. He, uh, people had chills going up there or tingles going up their legs the way Chris Matthews did when he spoke. But he was a horrific policymaker, a horrific socialist in training. Um, so there's a difference. President Trump has been a staunch America first capitalist, but he doesn't give the best speeches and he doesn't always say things uh, in a flowery way that people will appreciate. So I agree with you. He's not a great communicator sometimes. Having said that, your second part, it's more than just going to burn the city down and further the gasoline on the fire you know, story. It is unconstitutional. It is a constitutional requirement that if the House takes up an impeachment article against the president, a committee hearing must be held in which evidence must be presented as to why people should vote to impeach or not and send it to the Senate for a trial or not. Such an evidentiary hearing would require the presentation of that evidence by those bringing the article and allow the accused to defend himself, either through representation or witnesses or whatever. None of those things happened yesterday before they held an unconstitutional and, dare I say, illegal impeachment vote. 
They did this because if they had the hearing that I just described, it would take days. And they don't have days. Because if Wednesday, next Wednesday comes before they have their vote, it's too late. They can't do it. So that's why they had to get this done now unconstitutionally. Uh, and, and indeed, like you said, inflaming and further dividing this country because 75 million Trump voters are livid that they did this. This does not bring us together. But the worst part about this is they have literally just torn the Constitution asunder. Well, and here's the other thing. and I, I don't think this is a rabbit trail, but the word constitutional. We live in a time right now where words are constantly deconstructed and then reconstructed to mean something that we want them to mean rather than what they objectively mean. They don't care. And when I say they, progressives, whether they're Republican or Democrat, they don't care whether it's constitutional in your mind or not, because they're redefining what constitutional means. This is a huge problem in our culture because we can't communicate effectively any longer. Um, I'll give you an example here. I had somebody contact me that listens to my radio show in Oklahoma and suggest that it was time for armed rebellion, that civil disobedience is not effective any longer because the left is lying to us and we need to take up arms. I immediately shut him down and said, that's a crazy idea. I do not agree with you in any way, shape, or form. He said, I want to go on your radio show and debate you on this. I said, no, you're not going to debate me on this because I'm not going to elevate your idea to a level of any acceptability. No, it is crazy to be calling upon taking up arms. And I went into several reasons why. My point in bringing this up, Bob, is his response to me was, well, you need to change the name of your show then because the title of my show in Oklahoma is The Rebellion. He was making the argument that the use of the word rebellion is an implicit call for armed insurrection. And I said, are you out of your mind? You can't dumb down the definition of rebellion to mean that I am calling for armed insurrection just by using that title, that word, on my show. Rebellion is resistance. There was the Reagan Revolution. The Beatles called for a revolution. Thomas Jefferson said we, uh, a little rebellion every 20 years is a good thing. None of those people... We're calling for armed insurrection. But even conservatives are now arguing that you need to redefine words in order to justify your political agenda. And I completely dismiss that out of hand. We've got to have an objective meaning. We've got to have truth with a capital T, defining our words, or we're going to do nothing but talk past each other, even in the conservative camp. I think that's well said. And uh, to me, you know, the idea that rebellion means armed resistance is the same thing as saying that we've got to fight like hell or we won't have a country to fight for anymore means physically going in and, and assaulting people. And that's what Spot they on. used in the article of impeachment. Fight like hell. I played a montage of clips for my previous guest who voted for impeachment. <clears throat> of Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Nancy Pelosi, Bernie Sanders, all saying, we're going to fight. We have to fight. We're in this fight. We're going to fight over and over again to live audiences. If we are impeaching a man for saying we have to fight like hell and that that instructs people to go to the Capitol and assault people, despite his language that said we are going to peacefully and patriotically go down there and cheer on our brave senators who are fighting to uh, to uh, hold off the certification of this election until an audit can be done. You know, if we're going to say that somebody who says fight has to go then every single member probably of congress who has ever said to an audience i will fight for you when i get to washington dc has to go uh words matter uh we're going to talk a little bit more about the abandonment of president trump uh congressman gonzalez and nine other republicans did that um 
the evangelical Christian church is also doing that, at least in some circles, as is the Catholic church, at least among Biden Catholics. I want to get your thoughts on that when we continue. Dr. Everett Piper with us again on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1023, perfect bump back here. <laughs> perfect. This REM song, for those who don't know, is called Losing My Religion, and it's, uh, it's perfect for what we're discussing now with Dr. Everett Piper. Okay, Dr. Piper, uh, you and I have obviously coordinated a little bit on this and read the same articles. Um, I, I want to talk about why Christians are being so quick to throw under the bus and distance themselves from a man who has been, without question, uh, the strongest champion for life, which is supposed to mean something in Christianity, um, that I've seen in the White House in my lifetime. I didn't think that would be the case because he was a New York liberal who used to say when he was just a businessman and a celebrity that uh, he was pro-choice. But he lived or he, he talked the talk and then he walked the walk. But evangelicals are turning against him and even Catholics are turning against him. There's an article that you actually turned me on to with, uh, on NPR. How did we get here? A call for an evangelical reckoning on Trump. Let's start with that side. Since you are an evangelical Christian, why is the evangelical church turning on Donald Trump? Well, the article in question is an interview with Ed Stetzer, who is the director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. <laughs> And essentially what Ed Detzer says in this interview with the NPR reporter and journalist is that evangelical Christians need to be called to a day of reckoning for giving up their morality in order to support President Trump. Now, as a man who was very critical of President Trump during the primary of 2015-16, I'd like to ask anybody who agrees with Ed Detzer, what morality did I give up? Did I decide to uh, agree with a man who is proven to be boorish and proven to be a bit of uh, a, uh, a flamethrower in his communication style? Did I decide that those sins, if that's what you want to call them, and I think they sometimes are sinful behavior, are those sins on the same moral plane as butchering children, executing children five seconds before they're born? leaving them on an operating table in a cold metal pan after they're born with no assistance life, with no assistance to preserve their life because they're deemed inconvenient. Are you suggesting, Ed Stetzer, that those two things, Donald Trump's boorish behavior and executing children, are on the same moral plane? What morality did I change, Ed Stetzer? How about the dignity of women? Are you suggesting that my defense, of the dignity of a female that she has the right to her own bathroom and her own scholarship and her own sport, and that men should not be able to intrude into those things, that that's really true feminism because I believe in the feminine, because the Bible defined male and female as being the only two distinctions of the human race. Ed Stetzer, did I give up my morality by standing firm on those things and thanking a man who got out of my way and allowed me to say what I'm saying right now without government penalty? My land, this argument that Donald Trump's boorish behavior, which I think it, I agree with that. I agree. I've been critical of it. I'll continue to be critical of it. I think it was inappropriate. Are you suggesting 
that that behavior is on the same moral plane as a litany of things, a litany of things that the Democrats and Kamala Harris and Joe Biden specifically have done and continue to support. This is shameful to make this argument that I've given up my morality when the evangelical church on the left, the progressives, and the Catholic church on the left continue to argue that somehow we've compromised, conservatives have compromised the biblical moral standard by defending freedom. What about the morality of freedom? I thought freedom was a moral imperative in Scripture. Read the Exodus narrative, my land. It's about let my people go. It's about freedom. God created us the Imago Day, not the Imago Dogs. We are not to be controlled like animals. We are actually given freedom by God at the point of creation so that we could even defy Him. He gave us that kind of freedom. Freedom is a first thing. It's a first thing. To quote Richard Newhouse, a first thing. It is your summum bonum. It is your highest good. And it's on a higher moral plane than boorish behavior. Very passionately argued and very well articulated, as always, Dr. Piper. Let's go to my side now of Christianity, because I am a Catholic. And let's talk about sackcloth and ashes. You used that word, those words yesterday with me uh, in, in a text message, and I actually had to look it up to see exactly what that meant. I'm ashamed to say. But it does essentially mean that Catholics are being called on now to repent, to mourn their own failings and their own shortcomings in many of the same ways you just described the evangelical message there to, uh, from Stetzer uh, for their support of Donald Trump. Biden Catholics, those who support abortion the way Joe Biden does, despite their Catholicism and their Christianity, are doing worse than that. They're calling for reprisals against Trump supporters in the Catholic Church. And you shared with me a Crisis Magazine article in which uh, uh, this is argued. Can you tell us more about that? Okay, very quickly. Uh, the National Catholic Reporter, which I understand, Bob, is a left-wing, the progressive Catholic publication, has actually called upon confession from Catholics for supporting Donald Trump my read of it is they're actually implying that there could be excommunication in place, or it should take place, if if the Catholics don't confess for having, quote, blood on their hands as the result of supporting Trump's failed coup. Talk about inflammatory language. So what they're saying is Catholics like Laura Ingram, Catholics like Bill Donahue, uh, Catholics like um, Richard Newhouse, uh, uh, Catholics like um, Life site news, okay? Catholics like you should be excommunicated and that you've got blood on your hands when those left-wing progressive Catholics claim to be pro-life while at the same time voting for a candidate who believes in the execution of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of children because of inconvenience? Who's got blood on their hands? My land. It's almost like they're calling for an inquisition here, that you have to be judged by some church tribunal for daring to support the dignity of of life and religious freedom. My goodness, the church has lost its mind and soul. You know, that that last part is extraordinarily important. People seem to think that it's, you know, when we defend uh, President Trump on religious grounds from Christian viewpoints, it's always about abortion. It's not just that. What you just said, were it not for President Trump, 
tireless championing of religious liberty, um, we would be in such a worse state right now. And by the way, in addition to you know protecting and preserving life by way of opposing abortion, President Trump brought our troops home from around the world to end, and in fact did not. He was the first president, I think, in, the, in my lifetime to have not engaged us in another war or in uh, uh, military conflicts that might rise to the level of war. So he has done so much to preserve and protect life for us to be told we have to repent and perhaps face, as you say, you know, uh, excommunication or some or some other sort of Catholic reckoning for supporting somebody who is doing, you know, quite frankly, in preserving and protecting life and protecting relig- religious liberty, literally doing God's work is uh, is beyond the pale. Uh, 30 seconds to wrap, uh, Dr. Piper, your thoughts. Freedom. Freedom. Those of us who voted for Donald Trump believe freedom is the first thing. Those that oppose us have put freedom on a lower moral plane and made it equivalent with boorish behavior. We can win this argument if we redefine our words and if we stand firm for human freedom. Stand for human freedom. That is our message. It needs to be what our rallying cry. That's our banner in the days and years ahead. And if you are Christian in any capacity whatsoever, or Judeo-Christian, our friends, uh, our, our Jewish friends, if you believe in everything that Dr. Piper just said and you approach it from your faith point of view, uh, I think we can win this, uh, and I think we can do so peacefully, unlike the caller that you referenced who wanted to, uh, to do it a different way. Dr. Piper, excellent. We basked again today. Thank you so much, sir. <laughs> Bless you. Bye-bye. 1032. News now. Kirsten Hill. Pro-Trump supporter, Lorraine County Tea Party chair, and member of the Ohio State Board of Education. She was in D.C. on January 6th. She helped organize the bus caravan down there. Now she's being attacked for it. We're going to let her defend herself on AM 1420, The Answer, next. Crazy day thus far on AM 1420, The Answer. And by that, I mean really great discussion, but just uh, the, the the nature of the discussions we're having is just so uh, off the charts right now. It's unbelievable, as is the next conversation that we are going to have. The Ohio Board of Education president has publicly condemned and criticized one of his fellow board members for daring to go to Washington, D.C. on January 6th with hundreds of thousands of other people to express her First Amendment rights in support of the president and in support of a call to delay the certification of the electors until a 10-day um, commission uh, commission can be, can be appointed, bipartisan commission, to do a 10-day audit of several states before the election should be certified. In other words, a very reasonable, responsible, and, yes, legal point of view to take but because of the riot they have seen fit they who are on the left side of the political aisle have seen fit to demonize everyone who was in attendance that day kirsten hill is a member of the board of education she helped organize the bus uh, caravan down to Washington, D.C. from Elyria. She is the uh, chief of the or the uh, uh, chair of the uh, Lorraine County Tea Party, as well as a member of the Board of Education. And she is now in the crosshairs of the Board of Education president and many others who are questioning whether or not she should sit on that board. 
given her support of President Trump on the day that the Capitol was stormed. Kirsten Hill deserves a right to discuss this and to answer these allegations and these accusations, and that's why I've invited her here today. And she joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Kirsten, thank you so very much for coming. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Thanks a bunch for having me on. I appreciate it. You're more, that was good. I, I'm impressed by the enthusiasm in your voice. I would be angry right now if I read about myself, all of the things that you are reading about yourself, um, including attacks, essentially saying that, you know, you, you are complicit, and I'm paraphrasing now, you're complicit in some way simply for helping to organize the Stop the Steal rally or at least the bus caravan from Lorain County down to, to the uh, Stop the Steal rally because of what happened. Uh, the board president, um, uh, Mr. DeMauro, if I'm saying his name correctly, uh, said, quote, as a social studies teacher, I have spent my career teaching the importance of our sacred democratic process, including the peaceful Actually, transition of power. I'm sorry? Yes, I want to, um, uh, pre- the Scott DeMauro you're speaking of, he's yeah. not the, he's not the um, state board president. He is the Ohio Education Association president. Thank you. Sorry, I read that incorrectly. You are a thousand percent right. I will talk about the board members for uh, in a moment, but you're right. Thank you. The okay. OEA, this is the teachers union president, so I should clarify yeah. that, and we know who and what they represent in terms of their ideology. But he went on to say, did Scott DeMauro, one of the core values of the OEA, and there's the reference, is our belief in democracy. We cannot stand for any attempt to undermine a republic, especially by a person, you, who was elected to serve its citizens, we must ensure this is a country where our leaders reflect the very best of every kind of American and where liberty and justice for are for all, no exceptions. So, Kirsten Hill, um, the implication here is you don't stand for the best of, uh, of every American and for liberty and justice for all. How do you feel I... and how have you felt over the last couple of days, or and I don't know how long this has actually been going on, it hit the Illyria Chronicle-Telegram on Wednesday, or on Tuesday, this criticism or at least this questioning of your participation in this and the suggestion that you are somehow less than patriotic for appearing and attending and participating in this rally? Yeah, I think it started um, Monday. I uh, missed a call from a reporter um, at the Ohio Capitol Journal um, who um, decided to pick up this uh, torch and and um, you know demonize me. I guess Pour I'm gas in on it? company with <laughs> what's that? Uh, yes. You picked up that torch and poured company. gas on it, dude. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. I guess um, with uh, similar to what uh, President Trump is. Um, experiencing um, basically um, conflating, you know, individuals who may have uh, breached the Capitol with, uh, you know, making Trump guilty. So, um, an important thing um, to remember is that we, as far as I know, we still have individual rights. We're individually sovereign, and we're individ- should be individually responsible for our actions. And and not for we don't suffer um, because a, a group or other individuals you know did something wrong. But um, yeah, I I can um, describe a little bit about um, our trip there. 
uh, a little bit about... Yeah, in fact, I want, I want you to go back to the beginning of that, Kirsten. I want you to go back to the beginning of the trip and talk about the organization of the trip, because obviously I coordinated with you. You gave me the details on where buses were leaving from. I went on the radio and promoted them because I was promoting what you were doing, which is an, uh, uh, organizing a trip to go to Washington, D.C. and express your First Amendment rights in an attempt to tell Congress, hey, please do not certify this election until all the questions are answered, which is absolutely our and your constitutional right. So you were you were organizing this from the beginning. Tell me about that, why it was so important to you. And then, yeah, tell me about the trip when you got there and what you experienced. Yeah, yeah. So um, the, the um, it was it was really quite organic, the interest in going. Um, we were, uh, you know, just a bunch of Ohioans who were, you know, have been holding out hope that, you know, something could still be done. Like you said, you know, delay the certification of the vote to allow for an investigation into the states that have been in question. And, you know, this is one last chance, you know, that we could do that. I um, assisted another gentleman who had a, a website um, set up, and I just uh, helped to list um, various bus groups that were going out of um, Ohio as well. Uh, in the end, there were about uh, at least 20 buses, busloads of people that went from Ohio. Um, I live up here in Northeast Ohio, so um, I was, you know, most focused on this area. And uh, we had no idea when we got started. It was just 10 days before the event that, and that was, you know, right during the holidays, even Christmas and. And New Year's, if you could, you know, put it together, because we mm-hmm. went on January 6th. And right. um, we knew it was going to be cold out, but um, in the end, we had about two busloads that left Lorain County, and then we joined uh, five busloads that left out of uh, Valley View, and we, uh, you know, caravaned down together to D.C. And uh, I had um, had sent uh, promotion to you, you know, to let people know, and that was very helpful. So, you know, <laughs> thank you for doing that, Bob. Um, Certainly. Kirsten, let me let me let me interrupt for a second to ask a question about that trip now, just to be a thousand percent clear. Did any and I know there were hundreds of thousands of people there and there were Lord knows how many buses from all over the country. So in on your buses, from what you heard, from all of the people you spoke to in your group, did you hear anybody talking about what they were going to do when they got there being illegal? Anything about storming, attacking, uh, uh, you know, committing violence no, or vandalism? No. Was there any talk about anything other than chanting, cheering the president, and praying for the right result? No, not at all. And everybody got on the bus came home, and, and there, you know, it had to have been uh, premeditated by someone. And I, I, um, it would be nice uh, for there to be a full investigation for us to uh, find out. If I describe a little bit of the day, I think you can get a tone. You can get, you can feel the tone of the uh, the crowd that was um, estimated somewhere yeah. between three hundred thousand and a million people, anyway, that were there at the lips. I mean, we were, um, we arrived, we did the red eye ride, we arrived at the Lincoln Memorial, which is um, west, you know, the west end of the mall, um, west of the Washington Monument, about 9.30 in the morning. Uh, We took a couple photos there, um, just the group. uh, There were, like I say, uh, seven buses, but everybody broke into small groups. And then we kind of sauntered our way along the reflection pool, that's west of the Washington Monument, made our way to the uh, the Ellipse, which is the area 
um, where there were speakers and where um, Trump eventually spoke. And, I mean, people are just carrying their flags and have their backpack with a bottle of water, um, you know, to keep hydrated. It was cold. It was high 30s, low 40s. And, um, you know, it was a mixture of ages of people and, and people had driven in, people came by bus. And, and then we were at the lift there from, I would say, like 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. And we were standing the entire time. And, and there, I didn't see one iota amongst those hundreds of thousands of people that would give me any indication that, that the people that were there for that purpose were anything but peaceful. And that's not surprising, Kirsten. Uh, We're we're talking with Kirsten Hill. She is a member of the Ohio State Board of Education, and as such, she is being held to a little bit of a different standard than other rally-goers on January 6th because she represents the board and thus uh, has an influence on Ohio's children. Some of the critics who are coming after you and coming after anybody who is associated with going down there for that rally are saying that um, you may be considered complicit simply beca- complicit because you helped organize what turned into something. Even if you couldn't foresee the violence, you organized something that turned into violence. And as such, they say you have a duty, as a board member in particularly, or in particular, excuse me, you have a duty, Kirsten Hill, to unequivocally condemn the violence that was committed by the hundreds of people uh, that were part of the hundreds of thousands of peaceful people in that in that crowd. Now, I know you have condemned the violence because you, like virtually every Trump supporter I know, always condemn violence. We did it all summer long. And we've done it loudly and vocally and saying anybody who broke the law should be held legally accountable for it. Go to jail. Have them be tried. So I'm just going to let you do that now so that they will all shut up and, and, and hear you again do what you have always done, which is condemn that violence. Yeah. Um, as I said in, in my uh, press release out to the press, unfortunately there was a, you know, a small minority of individuals who appear to have broken the law um, you know, by vandalizing the Capitol building. And, and property, and um, and there are also um, photos and reports of, you know, people who have suffered um, bodily injury and, and died. Um, and I condemn, you know, any of those acts of violence, just like I told um, the reporter on the, um, from the Chronicle-Telegram that it's high on our list that um, we not, you know, breach um the laws and uh, public property, and we're highly, you know, very respectful of those things. You never see, I mean, there's usually not even a shred of, of um, litter on the ground after you've had a Trump rally. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. people are very respectful of each other and, and the place where they are. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, you know, very law-abiding. There's even photos of, of people I, um, inside the Capitol that day that were, um, following the um, guide ropes that are that are there, so that people won't go off the path. So as if they were as if they were invited the visitors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as if they were invited they, visitors. They were so even that way. the number yeah. that went in obviously far exceeds the number that committed actual acts of vandalism while they were there. But nonetheless, they knew they shouldn't go in, and they did. And no one is going to defend that, and I'm sure you won't either. Even if they followed the guide ropes, they're not supposed to be there. But so let me ask you this: Given the fact that you are know, kind of, <clears throat> did they know that they shouldn't be there? You know, did somebody oh, get the doors open and it was kind of like, "Come on in." I've seen, I've seen um, 
video of that where, you know, the the police didn't uh, stop the people. So it wasn't, well, you know, it um, wasn't necessarily a violent, unknown, you know, entry. I don't. Well, I don't, it, uh, it, it, it certainly wasn't yeah. a violent entry in, on the people of those cases, but they know they're not supposed to be there. If they were, they would have had a pass. They would have been checked through by security. They know they were okay. following a crowd yeah. in that they, it's just very simple. They, 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 there's no yeah, question we about outside, the security. Just, you know, yeah, the security, yeah. the security procedures at the Capitol building, because I've been there, are very, very strict right. and regimented. Right. Anybody walked through a, an open door, whether they knew what opened it or not, uh, was knew should have should have known what they were doing was 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 not allowed. Uh, and again, that's different than those who actually smashed windows and broke open doors and went in to the other side and opened them up so people could go through. That's very different. But having said that. Since you have been, you know, your role has been questioned by the OEA president, as you talked about before. Do you regret going? Do you regret organizing and being a part of this, considering the fact that you're now being lumped in because of the violence that happened as as being one of the people who was, you know, who was part of uh, the rally? Not not at all. I mean, I I was uh, witnessing um, history there, uh, you know, and um Participating in something where I uh, thought I was, you know, exercising my First Amendment, uh, you know, to well, yeah, you didn't uh, think it. You were, you were expressing <laughs> absolutely right, and, and to peaceably assemble and redress our grievances. So, in fact, it could be a social studies lesson for uh, students. I uh, I know that um, even in our recent board meeting, um, there was uh, one of the other members of the board was. Um, applauding, having students be more activists, and uh, I'm thinking, well, <laughs> if 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 that's if that's of interest, you know, to get students to participate in uh, our constitutional republic, mm-hmm. that's exactly what we did there. I mean, my um, uh, once we got to the the Capitol um, building, and and there were a lot of people or in front of it, it was it was almost like theater. You know, we were uh, seeing the movement of people um, up on the bleachers, and then there were police, and it seemed like that was a place where they shouldn't be. There was, it just, it, I have heard um, from others, and it did appear that there was orchestration of the movement. You know, there were professional um, yeah. agitators that were po- t- telling people, come forward, come closer, come closer. I mean, I heard it myself. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and the frustrating thing about it is that? the FBI had knowledge before January 6th that that kind of thing was being planned, and they did not inform the president or his team. They should have informed everybody so that people could make sure they were nowhere near that and so that people could perhaps try to talk that down and make sure that did not take place. So that's another very frustrating part about it. But Kirsten Hill, you're the chairman of the or chairperson of the uh, Lorraine County Tea Party. You're a member of the Board of Education, and you are a free citizen who went to D.C. to express your First Amendment rights in support of our president and, as you say, to... Uh, to peaceably assemble to have your uh, the government redress your grievances. This is exactly the way it's supposed to work. And anybody who says anything else regarding what happened there uh, and tries to implicate pe- peaceful people like you uh, need to know they're barking up the wrong tree. And I will always give you this platform to make sure that everybody knows that. Uh, Kirsten Hill, thank you so very much. Thank you, Bob. And there were a lot of other great people who took days off work and their own time yeah. and treasure to go. 
And, Absolutely. and they just felt it in their heart to go. And, the and way millions like, of people have done throughout our history. They go to D.C., they fill the mall, they chant for their cause, they want Congress exactly. to hear them, they do it peacefully in the same way hundreds of thousands have did on January 6th, uh, and, and all of their reputations being smeared by the few hundred that went inside the Capitol building. Kirsten Hill, thank you so much. It's 1055, right back after this. Well, well, well. Um, I got a whole bunch of people on hold to talk after four guests on the show today, and I'm not going to have time for probably any of them. I'll do what I can here. If you can keep your comments to 30 seconds, I can probably get three of you on. Ron in Strongsville, you're up. Go ahead, Ron. Yeah, Bob, uh, great conversation with uh, Gonzalez. We voted for him. We will not vote for him again. Uh, he did not answer your direct question directly. He danced around. Uh, also, Renacy should run for governor. I was on uh, the bus out of Valley View, and it was a peaceful and nobody's talking about the time lapse from when Trump ended his speech to get to the cap- uh, to the Capitol. Believe me, Congratulations. believe me, we will be talking about that on tomorrow's program, Ron. Thank you. Great commentary on all three of those issues. Steve and Collinwood next. Steve, go ahead. Keep it to 30. Yeah, we're fighting political correctness, and that's all that Representative Gonzalez was trying to do, was to be politically correct, because he talked about the speech. But... All, all it merits is a uh, flag of un, uh, he's guilty of uh, of um, unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, yeah, there, there you go. Make the, the football connection, Anthony Gonzalez. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. I'm not going to be able to get anybody else on, and I do apologize. It's the way that it goes when you have four guests like we did today. Tomorrow, we'll try to keep it open for reactions. We'll replay some of the Anthony Gonzalez conversation, and uh, we'll take plenty of your phone calls on tomorrow's show. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks to all four guests, Anthony Gonzalez, Jim Renacci, Dr. Everett Piper, and Kirsten Hill from the Ohio Board of Education. Appreciate all of you for coming on. Uh, please be safe, and once again, remain free. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Silence.